Oh, greetings in the Master's name. <clears throat> we sing, oh, for a closer walk with God, a calm and heavenly frame, a light leading. And then the last verse says, so shall my walk be close with God, calm and serene my frame. That sounds pretty nice. So pure light shall mark the road that leads me to the Lamb. Well, as we draw closer to God, that's that's what happens. So that's uh, encouraging that that uh, we have that privilege of walking with God. It gives us some calmness and serenity in the midst of the troubles, turmoil. The title of the message this morning is Jesus. I uh, when I was looking at the at the quarterly, the new quarterly and uh, studies in Revelation, and and uh, I thought I hardly ever do this, but I I thought I kind of want to preach on same thing we're studying in Sunday school, and I was thinking about Revelation in the first few chapters, and so this is what happens when you start to to develop a message. Uh, I, I wanted to, um, there's something in my mind, you can turn to it, it's Hebrews 3, chapter 1, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, and uh, <clears throat> it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. And, and studying this a little bit, uh, one place said, and I didn't check it out, but I suppose he had it right, he said, this is the only place where Jesus is called an apostle. Uh, one sent, but <clears throat> he was sent from heaven. But what uh, <clears> the <throat> reason my mind went to that verse is because that word consider. One time I preached through the book of Hebrews. And that was a, a very encouraging study. <clears throat> but here, if I remember right, when they was talking about this verse, they said that word consider is kind of like gazing on the stars. Uh, you're just Focus, you're just gazing, you're standing there in awe and wonder, looking at Jesus. And so that's what I wanted to do this morning. I wanted to focus on Jesus Christ. And what happened is I was working on a message. I thought I was going to be focusing on the verses in Revelation, and maybe that'll come some other time. But um, I was thinking about what it says in here in Hebrews. We well, see, Hebrews, Hebrews, the title, Hebrews, this book was written to the Jews. And it was written to Christian Jews. And what Christian Jews had to face was like their Jewish relatives or people in the Jewish church, you know, we've got this temple. I mean, it was a magnificent building. Uh, you know, the, when Jesus said, it's going to all be fallen down. Well, in fact, you know, I won't turn to it, but, you know, the apostles, the disciples, they said to Jesus, hey, look at this, you know. Jesus said, it's going to all fall down, be destroyed. But they said that Herod built that thing, had marble facing or whatever, and the sun would shine on it. I mean, it really looked the greatest. This was the Jewish temple, and they had their ceremonies and everything, and they had all, you know, the priest had their robe, and, and you know, had, I mean, it was elaborate. It was just you know, and this is what they had. And then tell the Christian Jews, what do you have? What do you have? All you have is this person that's crucified. You just got a crucified person. That's all you have. Why'd you leave all this other stuff? Well, Paul or whoever wrote to the Hebrews, he showed them what they have in Jesus Christ. 
I mean, it is out of this world. And uh, so, so I started to think about what the book says about Jesus Christ. Well, the whole book is just, it's the new covenant and everything is tied up and the whole book's focused on Jesus Christ, but the specific verses. And so I'm just, that's what we're going to do this morning. We don't have a lot of time anyway, and I knew it was going to be short because I wanted to share that other about the um, the uh, prison ministry, but just going to go through here and read these verses. And so starting in chapter 1, the first four verses particularly, says, God, who had sundry times and in divers manners various ways in the past, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And that says, that's just loaded. It's saturated with truth about Jesus Christ. And uh, But it says he's the express image of his person. You know, it's like, uh, was it Philip said, show us the Father? And Jesus said, uh, I've been so long with you. And you say, show us the Father? You've seen him all this time. And uh, see, in Colossians it says, in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And, but the, this express image thing here, the, uh, the uh, allusion or the comparison is to a Roman coin that had the image of the emperor stamped on it. And, and so it's saying, you see Jesus? You see exactly what God is like. And uh, so anyway, that's that part. Now, in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that by the grace of God, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's us, he, Christ, also himself likewise took part of the same. He became, he took on a human body, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all, all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted." And there are some things that are kind of a mystery. God is infinite. Infinite. And we really can't grasp infinite. But there's no limit to someone who's infinite. And so, to understand us, since God is infinite, it seems like he would have no trouble understanding us. But it says that Jesus became a man so that he could better understand us. I mean, I'm putting it in my own words, but it seemed like that's what it's saying. 
well, did Jesus need to become a man so he could understand us? I don't see why he would if he's infinite. But maybe it's for our sake. Maybe we believe that he can understand us better since he went through everything that we do. But it just, the way it says it here, it's kind of like, because he became a man and experienced all the difficulties and so on that we do, that he can identify with us better. And I just don't really quite understand that. Like I say, if God is infinite, would he have had to do that to understand us? But at least we know he does understand us. It says here, you know, he went through everything. He suffered. And it says, and that's another thing I don't understand quite, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Somehow. But anyway, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, just what it means for us. But we know we have a faithful an understanding high priest. And it says about how he's merciful. And uh, anyway, it's just beautiful. Okay, the first, uh, the first three verses of the third chapter. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider, think about, look on, the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, Inasmuch as he has builded the house, he who has builded the house has more honor than the house. Um, and so that's just pointing out how glorious Christ is, uh, exalting him, lifting him up. Now, chapter 4, last several verses. Jesus, the great high priest. <clears throat> this morning, Joe asked me how I was, and I said, oh, a little better than half. And he wanted to know how much better than half, and we decided it was about five-eighths. I uh, had a sore throat this week, and last night I was feeling really bumming. So I started taking Corsid, and so this morning I felt better, but I still have a little trouble with my throat, so be that as it may. Okay, uh, Hebrews uh, 4, verses 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us hold fast our profession. And that's what the writer in those light articles was saying. You know, that boy got out of prison and went back, wanted wanted to marry the mother of his children, and she wasn't a Christian. I mean, but that would be the thing to do, I, I suppose. And he was trying to hang on. He was trying to hang on. He had Jesus, but he didn't have much else. And we say, well, that's all you need. But like it said, how long did we survive? But that's what it says here. We have Jesus. Let us hold fast our profession. Okay, chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obeyed him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And then it, it follows that Melchizedek uh, a comparison uh, for a couple chapters. <clears throat> Okay, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. 
But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we let us speak. No, I'm at the wrong place. Six, I want 19 and 20. 19 and 20, last two verses of chapter 6. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The, the thought there, maybe it'll come out in another chapter, that uh, it's an eternal priesthood, lasts forever. It's not a changing priesthood like in the Old Testament. Okay, 7, 22 to 27. 7, 22 to 27. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament, and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people. For this he did once when he offered up himself. <clears throat> Excuse me, we sing that song, once for all, once for all. Jesus offered the one sacrifice, and that takes that's, that, that was it. That's all he needed. It's not like the animals you had to offer them every year and so on. <clears throat> Chapter 8. First two verses. <clears throat> now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest. So he's saying in summary now, of everything we've said up to this point, in summary, we have a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. And in verse 6, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Hebrews, the book of better things. Chapter 9, verses 11 to 15. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And that—that that is, um, uh, it's talking about the efficacy, the ability the, of Christ to purge our conscience to clean, clear our minds. And if you ever struggled with that, you can really appreciate this verse. <clears throat> it says, verse 15, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Verse 24, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. And again, uh, here just reading these verses and sitting here in church on a Sunday morning, um, it's a little hard to grasp the import, the significance of this. 
The high priest went in to the Holy of Holies once a year. And uh, I don't know if it says this in Scripture, but tradition says it at least. We're told, okay, the high priest went in there and he had, um, and I remember, and here again, I don't think we read this in Scripture, but he had bells on the bottom of his garment and that when he went in there, they would hear, supposedly hear the bells and, you know, for some reason he, I don't know that it ever happened, but, and maybe this is, uh, people's fancy but I, I remember hearing this people explaining it this way that you know he had bells on his garment so if, somehow he you see the the, the Shekinah glory the very presence of God was over the mercy seat you go in there and there's this whatever the glory is like it was there over the mercy seat it was God's presence with him and he went in there once a year and it's just like Moses when he saw the burning bush you know and God said, take off, your, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground, so on. And we talked about it just a little bit in our Sunday school class when people saw God in the Old Testament. They thought, oh, they thought they was dead. They thought they was goners. I mean, just before that, that also, we can't imagine what it's like. It's like I was thinking when we talked about in Sunday school, Bertrand Russell was a philosopher, a mathematician, and, and uh, agnostic or atheist or whatever. And somebody asked him one time, they said, well, what if you're wrong? And... You know, you're standing before God. What are you going to tell him? He said, I'll tell him that he didn't give us enough evidence. Well, I'll tell you once, he won't be saying anything. That that glory, a person standing, you'll be speechless. You won't be talking back. We can't imagine what... See, and John was trying to describe Christ the best he could with words in our language. There's no way to describe the glory of God. We can't fathom it. It just, it just, uh, it just, it just overwhelms a person. Well, okay. So what I'm saying is, so the high priest went in there once a year. It was an awesome thing, and they say that they had a rope tied to him, so in case he'd do something wrong, you know, there in the presence of God, or didn't, and, and he'd fall over dead, they could drag him back out. They wouldn't have to go in. But it says here, see, that Jesus, he don't go in. He didn't go into an earthly tabernacle like that once a year. He went into heaven itself. Now, if the earthly tabernacle with the presence of God was so amazing and so whatever, that's nothing compared to Jesus going into heaven. And so the writer here to the Hebrews, he's just he's somehow trying to picture how marvelous, how much better Everything we have in Christ. So, a few more verses here. Uh, 27 and 28. And as this is appointed to man once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And to them that look for him shall he appear the second time, unto, second time without sin unto salvation. Okay, let me just uh, try to go on here. 10, 11 to 14. And every, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting to his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And then 19 to 24, having therefore, brethren, 
boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, let us say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Chapter 11, 39 and 40. Last two verses. And, and, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, the day without us should not be made perfect. All those Old Testament, all those Old Testament Hebrew uh, uh, faithful uh, patriarchs and so on, they did not have the privilege of knowing what we know now. Uh, chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be worried and faint in your minds. And then 24 and 25. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel, see that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. So that's a warning to not turn away from this wonderful Savior. Chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. <clears throat> be in love with Jesus. And maybe I mentioned this before here too, but uh, in the uh, personal evangelism class, the one verse I gave was, uh, was uh, 1 John 1, 3. Um, um, let's see. I should know how that goes. Um, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so... Um, maybe I'll mention that another time because um, I'm running out of time here this morning but uh, <clears throat> the first verses there he says about how they were so familiar with Christ they had seen him, they had heard him, they had touched him and they were just thrilled with him and they wanted to share it with others and um, the uh, <clears throat> I wanted to share this yet I think I'll take time for it Many years ago, I don't know, it's quite a few years ago, but I, I remember hearing about this, and I may not have all the details right, but there were some brethren traveling, and I think they were coming through the Chicago airport, and of course they were wanting to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, and when they got off the plane there in Chicago, if I have the details right, there was a young lady met them, or she was standing there as people got off the plane, and she was a follower of this Sun Moon, moon the Moonies, that was back in the 70s probably. And she was just so thrilled with him as the leader of their church. And she was just saying how wonderful he was. And they didn't have a chance to get in a word edgewise about Jesus Christ hardly because she was so thrilled with his son, Myung Moon. Well, that's the way we're supposed to be with Jesus Christ. Uh, just thrilled with him and, 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 and a privilege to tell others about him. <clears throat>